In the distance I can hear a train passing by on the tracks behind the rectory, far behind the rectory. It is a quiet, nice evening. The sun is starting to set. The last beams of sunlight are illuminating the nice old orange rooftops of the houses here on the other side of the street. I'm heading towards the center for an evening straw. Just came back from the supermarket, the final groceries. I almost always do my groceries right before closing time because that's when they put a lot of the um, uh, food with uh, expiration dates of today on sale. So you can get them for 35% off. And especially if uh, it's stuff that I can put in the freezer, it saves me quite a lot of money. So I bought a few hamburgers wrapped in bacon. Normally they're pretty expensive, but now they were priced down because uh, this was the last day that you could uh, use them. Put them immediately in the fridge and then, you know, I'll have four hamburgers for uh, the next few weeks. And hamburgers fit right into my keto diet, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. You're listening to The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And it's uh, the end of yet another busy week, uh, but also a sick week. And sick in the most literal sense of the word, <laughs> I was sick. I had a nasty cold. It surprised me completely because... I don't remember ever having a cold in the middle of summertime. I mean, the weather has been gorgeous for weeks now. Um, its uh, Temperatures are, again, climbing up. We may have a small heat wave next week. Who knows? And so normally around this time, it's super quiet. My life is super calm. Um, schools are, are uh, on, on summer break. The parish is slowing down. We've had all the major... Uh, liturgical festivities we've had our last meetings with the pastoral team and everybody is going on vacation and that normally would always be the time that I would really relax and calm down myself and uh, I'd have more time to play video games and walk and bike and, and, and run and whatnot, listen to music, waste time but this year It's so different because we have um, so much more focus with Tridio and we have a lot on our plate. There are just so many programs that we're developing and that I'm um, filming and presenting. And so it's actually quite fun once you have everything in place and you have the people to help you organize things. There's nothing more that 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 I like than to film and to make programs so it's not at all it doesn't feel at all like a a chore on the contrary it is absolutely making me feel that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and it's also not overbearing I mean I can work for a certain number of hours per day and then I can just leave it alone I'm not no longer haunted by all these uh thoughts in the back of my mind like I should have done this and I why didn't I finish that no I I mean I certainly don't do everything that I could do um, and there are there may be some emails in my inbox that I haven't answered yet or phone calls that I should return but nothing that pertains to the core of what I'm supposed to do that's all uh, 
extraneous stuff or things that pe- other people ask me, well, I've, I've learned to also sometimes ignore that. And, you know, if you, if you watch the news, how often does it say underneath an article, um, we contacted uh, this so-and-so or this or that organization, but they were, we were unable to reach them perfectly normal (laughs) in the past i would always have bad conscience if i wouldn't answer emails right away now i'm like well yeah i'm a busy man i do my things and so do other people and i'm not irreplaceable crossing the bridge of uh, the small canal surrounding the inner city of Amersfoort. beautiful park although the trees are still green some nice big trees near the water with their uh, branches and uh, leaves hanging in the water even. Some ducks also swimming. But the grass underneath the trees and on the sides here of the park, all yellow. Hasn't rained for, for weeks. And uh, fortunately, usually when, whenever there's a new uh, rain shower, then it, it, it will recover. But right now, it looks much drier than I'm used to here in the Netherlands. So I was planning on working also the entire week, but because of the cold, I just couldn't. And uh, I didn't really go to bed, although I had a headache and my... You can still hear it a little bit. My nose is still stuffed or the kind of the space around my forehead. But the worst is, is, uh, is past now. Um, and I was dizzy and tired and just overall <laughs> sense of misery. And, um, but I could have gone to bed, but I decided to stay up and still do a few things, you know, cleaning the kitchen and, uh, d- doing a little bit of work, some phone calls, but nothing, I didn't really push myself too hard. And that's, that's something that, uh, Again, it's kind of the new Father Roderick. <laughs> I feel totally okay not pushing myself too hard when I'm sick. There's a little bit of temptation to um, go out running. You know that I'm uh, on this training schedule of uh, 18 weeks for the Marathon of Amsterdam. And this is week four. And uh, it means on Monday uh, on the schedule it said three miles. Tuesday, six miles. Uh, Wednesday, another three miles, and then Thursday, speed training, which means you do interval training. You run these short bursts at full speed, and then you walk or you stand still until your heartbeat goes down again, and then you accelerate to the max, slow down again, and then you repeat that. It's very, very uh, intense, but apparently, from what I've heard, it can be a major help in uh, improving your overall uh, speed during the race and so since this is an 18 week schedule and it's counted back from the moment that I will run that race there's a little bit of apprehension that if I wouldn't run regularly or if I would skip these uh, weekly these runs during week times that it may affect my final results and I remember at one point just standing in the doorway and it's like am I going to run or not and I felt miserable but I knew that if as long as it's above the neck and it's not the lungs then usually you're you're okay 
working out. It doesn't harm you. You you can't get more sick than you already are. It's just that there was this overall sense of... (laughs) Let's not. And in the end, I'm glad I I did uh, take some rest. And I know that since I'm an experienced runner... The form will come back very soon, and as long as I don't skip the uh, the weekend runs, which are the longer runs, so tomorrow I think I have to do, what is it, probably 8 or 9 on Saturday, and then uh, 14 on uh, on Sunday, which is really something like that, around this time you run uh, a little bit more than a half mar- marathon, which already is quite good after only four weeks of training. Um, there's no way I could have done that as a starting runner. But as long as I do that, I'll be fine. My body will recover. It's only in total about 12 or 13 miles that I missed. That's no big deal. So, and sometimes it's better to undertrain than to overtrain. <laughs> so, I'm I I think I can let that go. And uh, in the rest of the week is towards Thursday, things started to improve a little bit. Friday I started to sleep better. I didn't have much sleep because of the headaches and the the uh, stuffed nose and the sneezing and the snot and everything. It's not a pretty picture, but uh, sleep also does wonders. Um, and now I'm picking up the pace again. So today was a very good day, the last day of the week, last work day. Martin was also sick at the same time because we picked it up at the same place while filming last week. But he was uh, back at the office as well, so we did a lot of planning for the next weeks. Summer is going by very quickly. I um, I knew that I would have six, seven weeks um, with nothing planned than just pre-production, doing stuff for <laughs> that would um, be in advance of, of uh, the uh, last few months of the year. I like to work in advance. It's something. It's a new experience in my life to have things ready before they need to be ready. So to to completely not have a deadline and still be productive. Um, but even though we did plan a number of things, there were some productions that were canceled and some that just didn't didn't get together. That sometimes that happens. You have a plan, you have an idea, you start calling, and this person can't or or the worst is when a lot of people say yeah please come and everything looks to to go well and it's exactly what you pictured and then the final three four uh, interviews are like uh no we're on vacation or no no i can't or i won't and then the entire thing falls falls apart that was a bit disappointing but again you know we have time and uh, so now the <laughs> More than half of that time, of that summertime, is already gone. And uh, some kids are here uh, playing with their bikes and mobile phones. I'm going to turn to the right. Let's walk towards the sunset. I'm uh, approaching. This is one of the, this is the medieval gate here on my left and uh, on my right, the waterfall. You may recognize the sounds, and if you've ever visited Amersfoort, I'm sure you can picture where I am right now. And the setting sun is shining straight in my face. Beautiful. Um, and there's a harbor. I'm just going to go underneath the, the um, uh, bike road and the train tracks. And then on the other side, the harbor continues. It's not too warm yet. The next couple of days are going to be very warm. 
So uh, spent the day preparing mostly. That's another thing. That's part of the new Father Roderick. Um, I'm much more at ease calling up people and just reaching out and see what what kind of stories I can tell. And it's a lot of fun. I've never spent this much time on on crafting the stories that I'm going to film. Usually it was pretty simple. I would go to Rome and then you'd pick three topics no matter what and then that it would always turn into something. Now I'm more thinking in terms of okay, but what is what are the people that I want to highlight? What is their story and how can I tie that together in uh, in in a in a show in a, an episode that really tells um, something that helps the, the the viewer I don't know deepen their faith or think about their life uh, lives etc. So an example is this um, upcoming walking event. Talked about it a little bit on uh, my weekly show, the other show, um, which is the biggest walking event in the Netherlands. Hundreds of thousands of people participate every year. One of the reasons that I don't participate, because I'm way too much of an introvert to walk among so many people, is like the Camino times 10 in terms of uh, uh, crowds on the road. But I do know that it is very important to a lot of people, and especially to my target audience in the Netherlands, which is a bit older, and it's one of those traditional things that you have to have done at least once in your life, and a lot of people that walk at once, return every single year. It's not a religious event at all. It has nothing to do with faith or anything. It's a social event. But I'm thinking, how can I tap into that following kind of my decade-old approach of if you want to reach new people, you have to share their world. You have to start where they are. And I know that millions of people are 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 passionate about this walking event and so how can I tell a story that starts with this walking event and then takes it a step further so I started thinking can I follow can, are there religious elements in there well not that many there are a few parishes that open their churches along the, the um, along the itinerary that's not too interesting of a story and then I was thinking well I'm pretty sure that there may be some interesting Catholics that walk this road and that can perhaps tell me not just about their walk during those days or their fascination with the event but also help draw some parallels with their personal life with their vocation for instance and so I started calling and asking around on Facebook and found uh, a Carmelite nun which I'd never heard of but the kindest person super enthusiastic are still relatively young um, and she's currently in the uh, uh, Carmel Monastery in um, Boxmere, which is not far from the city where this walking event takes place or where it departs. And uh, she's been walking it for several years now with her sister, who is an atheist. <laughs> and she converted uh, and, and became a nun ultimately after having dabbled in New Age uh, uh, circles, uh, which in itself is already a fascinating story. But then she's also extremely, um, she's a very good talker. And she immediately, even on the phone, she was making all these parallels between walk of life, walk of faith, etc. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, that I need to uh, tell stories like that. And then I called up the auxiliary bishop of my diocese, who also has walked 
this uh, walk for, I don't know, from the time he was a student. And he never missed a single year. He used to walk it with his father, now he walks it with a friend. And at first he was a bit apprehensive because it takes place in his vacation. Of course, he's not going to walk around like a bishop. Um, so it's, it's, it's part of kind of his time off, you know. He's, he's got a busy job because he's also uh, heading the uh, um, diocesan court. The, the, what is it? The, uh, well, the instance in the diocese that, that does all the... the um, the the what is it marriage uh, annulments etc. So uh, he's also a, a, a very solid support for for my uh, uh, archbishop. But every year he gets to go on a few weeks of vacation and gets to walk that walk. And then of course you don't want uh, people following you with a camera and other people recognizing you. So, but I we we talked and ultimately. What we decided upon was that I was going to interview him um, after a mass that he celebrates every year for the um, members of the Swiss Guard. There are about 20 guys that are walking. They're participating from the Vatican, and they join their fellow military of the Swiss Army, and they walk the military version of that walk. So they, it's a pretty big distance, and then they have to carry a certain minimum amount of... Uh, of luggage uh, uh, in in backpacks, uh, and and they walk in boots and everything. So uh, he arranged that I could interview a um, few of those Swiss guards, and I could interview him. So then he's still in a let's say episcopal situation, um, and then for the rest of the walk, I can leave him alone. And what I hope to do is to also ask him about his personal story and try to step away from the obvious questions. You know how how often have you have you participated? Did you get any blisters? Um, <laughs> it's it's the stuff that we already know that won't add to the other massive media coverage around this event. But if I can ask him a little bit about his his own walk in life, you know how 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 did he end up being a bishop? That's a good story. I mean, I don't think that his initial career plans involved um, being ordained a priest. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, choose a more personal angle. I'm crossing the road here. I'm walking alongside the uh, canal that is gradually widening into the river, the uh, river the Aim, which is at the origin of the name of the city. It's called Amersfoort. And Am comes from Aim, the river Aim, and Fort... Well, think of fortress, a fortress near the aim, probably something like that. And uh, there's some much taller ships here in the water on my right. This ship's called Anya, and it's uh, one of those flat ships that are used to transport grain or, or uh, other produce, coals perhaps. Although this one seems to be out of commission. It's probably still seaworthy, well, seaworthy, river-worthy, but... I don't think it's used anymore to transport any cargo. Some of these boats have been tra- transformed into party boats. <laughs> and you can celebrate your birthday or your fancy wedding in, in the belly of the beast. So, um, 
the uh, third person that I'm going to follow is a banker. Um, I know him from the time that I was studying theology, because so did he. But then uh, after his theology study, he wanted to become a priest, I think, at one point in his life, and then chose another path and ended up in the uh, financial world. But he still is a very faithful Catholic and really wants to uh, help banks and financial world to reach out and do good things with their money, invest it in in, um, projects that not only result yield um, uh, profits but can also help build up poorer countries and help improve the situation in many uh, places where they invest and he told me I, I, I don't know someone told me that he was also going to walk and so I called him up hadn't spoken to him in a long time I was following him on Twitter but he wasn't following me back <laughs> or uh, following me on Facebook so that's this is very strange nowadays in, in our world when, when people are not on social media or not actively connected with you on social media it's almost as if you've grown apart and it can very, very well be that I'm following exactly from day to day what he's doing because I follow his post but he's not counter following so he has no idea that there is this asynchronous um, uh, what is it? Friendship. That what's, friendship is a big word, but that uh, that you're acquaintances. But for him, it's like years ago. For me, it's just oh, I saw your update yesterday. <laughs> so we uh, we talked a bit, and um, and he told me that for him, the walk was almost a spiritual thing, and he would deliberately. Um, divide his day into moments of prayer, moments of silence, um, moments of fraternity, reaching out. Um, and, and he too had a, immediately on the phone already a great story where I was like, okay, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I was looking for. And you get these signals, you know, when you, sometimes you just have a hunch, this could be a good story, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, these bikers here. <laughs> looking at me really strange the guy was just looking back I'm like what the heck is this guy talking in English <laughs> into this uh, microphone uh, well it's uh, my lot in life as a broadcaster <laughs> the um, I'm passing by by the way by the uh, recycling big big recycling terrain here that's a massive thing here in the Netherlands where people are invited to uh sort out their garbage and the things that they want to throw away but instead of putting it all uh, in uh, a landfill what they do here is you bring it here and then they have a ton of containers all sorts of different materials and you sort it out yourself you bring it there sometimes they will even take it from you to resell it and um, they'll fix uh, equipment and, and resell it to people with a modest budget I love this kind of stuff this is uh, this is something, as a Catholic, that I am very much in favor of. Um, you have a hunch for a story, but then you don't know if you can find the right people to help you tell that story. And it's while talking with these people that very quickly I've got the feeling that this can totally work. And of course, ultimately, the, the, the finesse of the story will be in, in, in editing because um, that's where you choose. You pick and choose the best parts. But in, as far as ingredients are concerned, with these three interviews, 
a little bit of the Swiss Guards, and then uh, we're going to visit one of the parishes that opens the church for all these people that are walking by, and they can enter the church, light a candle, pray a little bit. That's also a nice story that every Catholic viewer can relate to. Um, uh, that combined with the probably the abundance of of uh, photography of um, of people walking, which is always fun. There's those people are moving. A, it's very dynamic. Um, this is going to be a really easy easy production. The only difficult thing is it is um, in comparison with other stuff that I've done a very um, elaborate production. Normally try to spend just a maximum of one day on the filming because the, the budget is so limited. But now that it's summertime and I know that yeah, I couldn't... The sister was only in the monastery tomorrow. And then on Sunday she's already going to the city with her sister to meet with her sister. So I couldn't film her in her natural habitat in the, in the monastery except if I would go there tomorrow but then I have to go back to Amersfoort for mass on Sunday and then on Sunday afternoon I have to go to the city of Nijmegen to interview the bishop and the Swiss guards but we can't stay there for on Sunday so I'll go back and on Monday we go we again we drive to Nijmegen that's every time it's uh, about an hour and a half by car and then we stay one night with the uh, Jesuit father that we know. And, um, and well, it's probably not going to be a very long night because that morning we'll have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when a lot of the early walkers, including the uh, financial guy that we're going to follow, is going to start. And, of course, if you have only one day of the actual event to film you want to hit all the classic marks of that day so we'll start at three o'clock film the, de- the departure then we'll probably film when the sun is going up um just film a lot of atmosphere then we'll go at noon to that church do some interviews there um film some more footage and then we also want to film the actual finish the finish line now I really hope that we're done on Tuesday <laughs> and then we can go home in the evening and I can take a day off on Wednesday because this, this is going to be super intense but as you can hear probably from the way I'm sharing this it's also very gratifying and this is stuff that is fun to film and fun to make not problematic and everything is is worked out in advance so I know that once I'm, once I get going, it's easy. <laughs> and uh, again, crossing the water here, the river is even wider. There's a small boat with uh, uh, a couple of young people that are going underneath the bridge to the other side, heading back to the city. They've probably been out on the water. And here's a guy, Fisher probably, who is going in the other direction. Oh, he's actually heading to that small harbor there that is always closed, except for now. <laughs> to uh, park his boat. Is that how you say it? Do boats park? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a boat. I doubt I'll ever have one. But um, it's uh, so that's that's kind of the stuff that I'm doing. I've got a th- 
what is it, two, three more uh, potential episodes that I would have liked to film in these next couple of weeks, but I don't know if I'll have time. If I don't, well, we'll do it after my vacation. Speaking of which, I'm going to Spain. España, Valencia. Valencia, I should say. <laughs> Valencia. Uh, it's on the uh, east coast of uh, Spain. It's probably going to be very warm. It's a little bit in the mountains. And uh, I'm excited about it because... Oh, originally we would go to Bulgari. And uh, it was part of these very ambitious plans to visit new countries and explore new worlds and new civilizations. But then there's always the, the trouble of uh, all these priests being busy. I'm always going on vacation with the three other friends that I know from Rome. They're all priests. Um, but we are all extremely busy and don't have much time to do the research and find the cottages and uh, book the flights. And after some research... Do you hear these crickets? By the way, that's in the grass around me. It's in stereo. I love that. Just listen to that. It's gorgeous. It's pretty loud. Love that. It kind of immediately evokes summertime to me. That's the only time in the Netherlands that you hear them. So, um, the... Uh, I was looking into the flights and it was all pretty expensive. Like I, uh, uh, um, a two-way flight was 350 euros, 400. Now, of course, for some of you that may not sound very expensive, to me it does, especially because we're, uh, we're always being so careful with investments uh, for the work that I do. And um, that's why for myself, I don't want to spend a lot of money. Uh, and I've been also decluttering and this past year has been so focused on just doing the essential and doing that very well and getting rid of all the unnecessary things in life and then all of a sudden when you look at the prices of those flights and then also the ulterior prices because then we have to rent we usually rent a home somewhere this case would be in the middle of Bulgaria that's where they wanted to go um that would add another 500 bucks a person or something like that for the week. Plus, then, in, in addition to that, we have to buy all the food ourselves because we, we cook ourselves. So, that's, and my friends like to, when they're on vacation, oh my goodness, they eat more food in one day than I normally eat in one week. I'm not kidding you. Um, they really, really like to enjoy their vacations. And so sometimes I go with them on to the supermarket. That's been my big frustration for years. And you know how much I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, how can I spend as little as possible? Let's try to minimize the cost of living. And so in the supermarket, I'm, I'm always almost hunting for the discounted prices or the food that, you know, it's just for one more day. So we'll just give you a big discount on it um, I also cook relatively simple in the sense that I like to cook really well but using just natural real food uh, real ingredients, fresh fruit fresh vegetables um, <laughs> whereas when I go uh, shopping with them in the entire uh, what is it the 
it's almost a wagon that you, you need for all the groceries, is filled with all sorts of processed foods and cookies and chocolate and and whiskey and and more chocolate and big chunks of 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 uh, what is it uh, uh, cheese and whatnot and uh, chips and uh, all stuff that man I like it but it's not good for me and I don't have that much of that in my life for breakfast for instance right now I don't eat breakfast because I'm on this ketogenic diet and I'm not hungry in the morning I've, there are days that I eat two meals and the first meal I mean it's hardly a meal it's a little bit of salad and uh, an avocado or an egg or something like that in the evening I eat one meal but for breakfast on vacation with my friends good lord we're sitting there for an hour and a half <laughs> and starts with the uh, cereal and then uh, I don't know how much coffee And then it's yogurt, yogurt with fruit. Um, then we'll have bread with jam and sausage and eggs and oh goodness. Uh, and then some fruits after that. And I completely pass out when I eat a breakfast like that. There's no way that I can move anymore. <laughs> and um, and then on the in the after usually in the morning we'll we'll go and visit a city or something like that or an old castle whatnot and uh in the afternoon we eat on location usually just go to a bar or a restaurant um and in the evening we cook and it's another thing you know we love to i usually take quite a bit of time to cook um, because i enjoy it and i need quite a bit of margin in my life to think uh, my work is very creative and creativity cannot really flourish under too much pressure so I always use times like the time I, I need for running the time I need to clean the um, the kitchen and then and, and, and uh, vacuum my house etc I use that to think or to um, input new information I love to listen to audiobooks or listen to the news I listen to a ton of podcasts I also listen to the to a lot of written stuff on the iPad there's this function it's actually for disabled people where you can have the iPad read to you what's on the screen my iPad is, is always on English like the English operating system and uh, you take two fingers you have to first activate that somewhere in the menu you swipe down from the top of the screen with two fingers and then a little bar a little menu bar appears in the middle of the screen and you can have it read the page At first, it was only a web website, and it starts reading everything, like the menu, like news, sports, about, weather, 25 Celsius, um, <laughs> New York, uh, editorial, advertisement. <laughs> and finally, it gets to the, 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 the text that you want to hear. So that's not ideal, but what I've discovered is that it also works with the Amazon Kindle app. And Amazon Kindle has um, normally disabled this voice, what is it, narration function that they used to have on these early Kindles. And they still have it on the Kindle Fires, which are these uh, colored, uh, color screen Kindles, which we don't have in the Netherlands. I don't have one, nor do I want one, because I already have a regular Kindle and I have an iPad. But the only 
function that I would that I always wish we had on the Kindle app on the iPad is that you know electronic reading of the text. So I discovered that with that functionality in iOS itself, it will start reading, and it also turns the pages. So uh, as, as much as I love Audible and and you know books that are re- read by a real person. It's still pretty cool that you can listen to any book just using that functionality, built-in functionality in iOS. Unfortunately, the voices are not as good as some of the voices that I have in another app that I use a lot. It's called Voice Dream, Voice Dreamer, something like that. And I have one voice in there. A lot of those voices are pretty terrible as well. But there's this one voice that is just one of the older synthesized voices. But it's so good to listen. It's, it just reads everything in a cer- certain drone. Certain, I don't know, the cadence. The, the, it just feels like someone, a real person is reading it, more or less. It's not ideal, but let's say it's, it's, it's uh, definitely 100% better than most of the other synthesized voices. Uh, why am I talking about, <laughs> about synthesized voices? Where was I? Uh, okay, the cooking, yes. I love to just fill my mind with ideas or information while I'm cooking Um, but when we cook together then it's usually uh, two of the four priests have a duty, cooking duty and uh, some of us can really cook others, well they cook (laughs) and um, so you get some interesting results from time to time but it's also it's uh, first what is it, the first part of the meal, uh, like a soup or an entree, and then you've got the main meal, then you've got the dessert, and then, of course, there is the wine, there is coffee or tea with chocolate or cookies or whatnot, and then we play board games, which also require snacks, etc. So that entire vacation is filled with snacking and eating and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because I've I've really enjoyed that in previous years, but there were years like this year that I have certain goals, certain health goals that I want to meet, and um, so it means that I have to choose, and I can't really do eat everything I want. So uh, I've had one year where I was uh, eating vegan the entire year, and man, did they mock me about that. They mocked me so much for that. It's oh, Father Roderick is vegan. Well, we we made you a um, a red pepper burger made of lettuce, and while we eat chunks of meat, and they would just rub it in. Man, it did smell good. But I was just determined. Like I made this choice. I've always been the guy who does not finish what he begins like the quintessential Luke Skywalker archetype. But now I'm a true Jedi. I'm a true vegan Jedi. I will survive and I will do this. And golly, well, since I, I stopped eating vegan after a while because I, uh, I got health issues, um, probably B12 related or something like that, it was better for me to return to not really a, my, my old style of eating, I switch back to kind of the flexitarian uh, lifestyle where I'm just as comfortable uh, eating and cooking something that is entirely vegetarian or even vegan. And then other days, 
you use some, some, some meat, but much less than before. And up until recently, mostly lean meat, like chicken and, and stuff like that. Never the red meat and the fatty stuff. Well, all that has changed. I still have time to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> when I switched to the ketogenic diet, which was totally unplanned, I knew I wanted to lose 10 kilos, 10 kilograms, 20 pounds, grosso modo, um, because I was too heavy. Um, I weighed about 81.4 kilograms at the end of the winter time. For a small guy like me, that's too much. It's not overweight, but it's kind of on the edge. And but I just did, it was more the 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 overall lack of of energy, and I felt like a blob, <laughs> and I I felt I looked like a blob. And I see photos of those early months in in uh, in the year, and I was had these very big long fatigue day, uh, day I just over I don't know what it was just super tired all the time and I can I can totally see it on the photos and I, well summer is coming and I knew that I was going to run this marathon I am going to get healthy again I'm going to start running but that's not enough I'm going to really monitor my calories and step away from my addictions like the snacking etc which has been always a struggle. And even if I would go on a diet and I would count my calories and work out, there would always be this craving. Because for a guy like me, you, at a weight, what is it, uh, the height that I have and the weight of, if you start at around 80 kilograms, then they reduce your calorie intake to 1,500 per day. Now, that's not much. If you eat uh, bread for, for breakfast bread is super dense calorie wise um if you have a regular you know normally in the netherlands we eat four um slices of bread uh, for for lunch i i've eaten four slices of bread my for the most of my life but i, I started counting the calories like oh my goodness that's a, even the bread alone is already so much and then the evening it was i would just cook a um, something with rice or pasta or I don't know I've got so many different recipes that I love to cook and nothing over nothing too fancy but at the end of the meal even without dessert I'd already hit the 1500 calorie mark and then that the rest of the evening begins and I had this lifestyle of you know relaxing playing a video game or reading a book and then watching some TV and it's this habit of snacking while watching TV that I think was the biggest problem with, you know, much uh, big calorie intake. The thing is, I was truly, genuinely hungry after, after dinner. Like, after an hour, my, I would have these cravings for something salty, some, something to snack, something to chew on. And I tried everything, like uh, slices of cucumber radishes and all that was like I want carbs I want fried stuff I would gosh there were these moments where in the middle of the night I'd still open the fridge and take out something something hearty just because my body was craving carbs and so I was preparing for a very tough time but same time I've gotten a lot of willpower lately I was like I'm just gonna do this 
good for me and it's only temporary. I want to go back to uh, a healthy weight. I wanted to lose about 10 kilograms. And then I'll just kind of even it out. I'll start eating a little bit more. I can just be in maintenance mode. And then um, Inge talk, starts talking about this ketogenic diet. And I heard about it, but I thought it was like the caveman diet. It's kind of a fad and... Eh, how can that be healthy? You know, it's a fat-based diet. How can that be healthy? <laughs> and I was also very skeptical in the beginning about the uh, uh, carb, low-carb diet. Uh, Jimmy Aiken uh, was talking, had, had tremendous success. The first, when I first heard him talk about that, I was like, yeah, of course you lose weight, but won't you lose your health at the same time? I was super skeptical. And then... I started to read what Jimmy Aiken wrote about it. And go, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. But then I forgot about it because it didn't seem to apply to me. I was never going to switch a, a step away from a carb, carb-based diet. I, I, I like bread. I like cereal. I like chips. I want to be able to eat that. And so I hear about that ketogenic diet. It's like, whatever. Um, okay, I'll look into it. So I watch a few clips on YouTube. It's usually how I learn something new. I'm thinking, hmm, well, actually, it makes sense. You know, kind of switch your body from running on carbs to running on, on fats. And it was not as unhealthy as, it, as some of the proponents made it seem. Okay. It's like, oh, you eat, you eat bacon all day and uh, whipped cream and whatnot, and, then, and you still lose weight. Huh, yeah, but you may die in five years from now because of clogged arteries. That's what I thought. <coughs> Sorry. But <clears throat> with a lot of the, <clears throat> a lot of the uh, uh, videos that I, that I watched were emphasizing how important it was to eat tons of vegetables, green-leafed vegetables, and, and uh, just... The, um, what is it? The, it's not just about fats. It's all healthy, healthy fats, um, like the the, the vet, uh, what is it? Plant-based fats and uh, avocados and and whatnot. And the more I re- the more I watch these videos, the more I think, you know what? This actually not only does it make sense, but it's also not a, it's, it, it it kind of feels balanced in a strange way. And then a lot of these videos were talking about intermittent fasting, something that I also heard Jimmy Aiken talk about. And that is something that I've tried before when I was still running on carbs. And I thought intermittent fasting was just gruesome terror. Oh my goodness, you didn't eat in the morning and then, oh, my stomach would go grumble around 11 and I'd see all my parishioners eat cookies and I was like, no, not today. And, and then usually towards lunch, I would completely break down. I was like, must eat. No. And I felt kind of like, what about your willpower? How can people do intermittent fasting where they eat only one meal per day? I remember when I visited Ethiopia, how impressed I was that this mother of three children, well, no, more than three, three little children and two daughters, I think. She was making the money by working um, as a garbage collector with a number of other women. 
And she would leave the morning with just coffee. She would have one cup of coffee, brewed with the coffee ceremony, but she would only eat after work at five o'clock in the afternoon. That would be their only meal. And I remember it was like, wow, how can people live like that? I felt super guilty about my own abundance of food. And, um, and then I decided, I heard all these people talk about, well, you can gradually start to push it, uh, first skip your breakfast also kind of a mantra that I've learned unless breakfast is the most important meal of the day turns out not so <laughs> and uh, and then you, you once you've gotten rid of your uh, breakfast you start to push your lunch more towards the later part of the afternoon ultimately you end up with only one meal in the evening and if that's a ketogenic meal with fats and fibers and plant, lots of, of uh, uh, green-leafed plants, then you won't get hungry. And that int- was so intriguing. Like, you know what? That may- this may be the missing link of this whole intermittent fasting stuff that I hear so much about. So I decided, after two days, you know, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to try it out. What have I got to lose? I can do this temporarily. You can always switch back. And uh, we'll just see the proof is in the pudding. Well, in this case, not in pudding, but in the avocado. <laughs> but I'll be fine. And uh, it, it also felt like a challenge. Just like when I went vegan, one of the, the fun aspects of that was to come up with all sorts of new recipes, things I could try out. It's, it's, I love to learn and discover. And this was something that was within my reach, felt logical, and was intriguing so I started to do that and I talked about that last week a little bit more briefly and it it immediately started to work I started to lose pounds pound after pound after pound I was also uh, putting a lot of extra time in exercise creating a big calorie deficit so that accelerated even more but after a while I just couldn't find the time to create a big calorie deficit by working out. So I just reverted to regular marathon training. And, um, and despite that, because of the keto diet, I kept losing pounds. So it's 30 days ago, I started this. And I still can't believe it myself. But this morning I stepped on the scale. And instead of, instead of weighing 81.4 pound, uh, kilograms uh, 30 days ago, I saw the number 75, which means I've lost more than six, almost six and a half kilos. It's, that's, was it 11, 11 pounds, 11 American pounds? I'm not sure, but it's, it's a huge amount in 30 days. That is, wow, it's way more than one kilogram per, per, uh, per week, which is kind of the maximum that I was ever able to do uh, with just calorie restriction. And then I would be hungry every day. And the funny thing is, the intermittent fasting is not something that I have to force myself to do. It's something that almost automatically comes with a diet. Like in the morning, when I've had my cup of coffee, I just want to go to work. I have so much energy. Um, There's focus. There's like, I'm recording this. What time is it now? 10 o'clock. And I have been working since 8 o'clock this morning so it's 
10 o'clock in the evening, and you can tell by the tone of my voice and the energy in uh, the way I talk, there is, there's, it's almost as if I am just, just woke up. That's how I feel. And that is absolutely 100% the result of this, that ketogenic diet. And it's something I've never, ever experienced in my life. I feel in the evening, now I feel in the evening the way I felt when I was still, I don't know, 16. That's when I could work all night long, but afterwards I was like, oh, I'm just getting older, so I'm getting more and more tired. Well, turns out that that doesn't this is like like when people grow fatter and well it's just getting older so I'm getting a, a bigger belly well no it's based it's it's has to do with lifestyle has to do with food <laughs> it's not necessarily tied to your age and not nor is it irreversible that was the fun discovery of following this diet it's like, whoa, this really works. And it works so much better than I ever thought it was. Plus, it's, it's really good. I, I don't have to artificially always look at you know, how, how, how many calories is it, how much fat is in there. Uh, I always go for the skim milk. Now, I, I don't even go for milk because there's too much sugar in it. It's natural sugar. So I, I'd rather go for something like white cheese or something. Because I try to always look at the amount of carbs instead of uh, the fats and I can eat cheese I can eat meat no problem I have never eaten this this many vegetables I reduce the fruit a little bit because of the fruit sugar that can kick you out of ketosis now normally that wouldn't be good that was my first impression it was like keto, ketogenic diet these guys don't eat fruit how can that be healthy but then you don't take into account the tremendous amount of veggies that you eat, which also provides you with the fiber and the vitamins and all the nutrients that fruit also delivers. So it's it's I had a kind of a, a cartoonish version of the of the diet, um, and, and whereas now I now that I'm doing this, I'm like whoa, this is healthy. It's really healthy. And you can still make good choices. You don't have to eat, like, big chunks of bacon every day. Because, you know, it also has a lot of salt. And there's lots of other downsides to eating too much of the red meat and stuff. But you can, you can, you can choose. You can take, like, grass-fed beef. And, and, and variety, as always, is the key to a healthy balance. It's just don't go overboard with all the fat stuff but make deliberate choices and choose what is actually healthy and good for you but don't worry too much about fat don't worry at all about cholesterol as one of the other things part of this uh, ketogenic diet cholesterol itself is a actually something that your body makes itself and of course you've got the various types of cholesterol but in the ketogenic diet it'll actually is no danger whatsoever. The cholesterol, the what is it? It's more uh, like an insulin. Um, the overproduction of cholesterol is less something that is insulin is, is triggering. But because this diet very rapidly lowers your insulin levels, um, you get a very stable condition 
and um, it's actually really healthy, especially if you combine it with intermittent fasting, from what I've heard, it helps the body regenerate itself and get rid of all the, the damaged cells, for instance. And the best way to do that is actually to go to one meal a day. So the 24-hour time spent, even if you only do intermittent fasting for eight hours, which could be after dinner, you don't eat, and then you only start eating at breakfast. Don't snack. That alone will also trigger this renewal of the body. Um, I forgot the name. There's a specific term for that. Um, and it's pretty recent. But if the 24-hour time span appears to be the most generative, what is it, like healing time period. And it, that makes sense because you find that in the Bible everywhere. Like, why are all these people fasting? I would always associate that with punishment, with, with depra- deprivation. Whereas it's... <laughs> look at, for instance, Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the desert. And I was like, well, duh, he's, he's better than Superman. You know, who, what normal person could do that? And it says only after 40 days he got hungry. Well... I don't know, 40 days would be the thing to start with. But extended times of fasting can have a healing effect, can purify you. And the entire reason that we read about those 40 days in the desert is that Jesus was showing us an example of purifying your life of everything that is not necessary, focusing on the only thing you truly need, which is God, and then... It's, but it was a time. It was a positive time, not a time of only of deprivation. There's no moment that when when Satan tempts him, like just turn some stones into bread. Jesus is like, why? And so it's not someone who is deprived of everything, starving and and, and and miserable. Jesus is talking to the devil from a position of power. He's been so purified that he has this strength and um, I think that 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 is showing us gives us an indication what fasting can do and that it is not something just deprivation or penance but it's something that actually is good for you and will give you strength Um, it's fascinating really fascinating and I never thought that I would be able to do this Um, and now it comes naturally so I don't know how this is going to uh, progress but i think in three weeks time if my calculations are correct um i probably am not r2d2 but i think i'll weigh around 72 if i take into account the amount of running that i'm still going to do i wouldn't be surprised if i would get close to 70 in three weeks time or three or four weeks time which is the weight where i want to end and then I could start to kind of even it out. Because um, you still need to have something to burn. But it's also this transformation of body fat and replacing it by muscle. So one of the things that is happening, of course, is not just that I'm breaking down the fat, but I'm also, because of the running, building up muscle, especially in my legs. Something I could also uh, <clears throat> try to do with the upper body. And that's kind of not pretty thin <laughs> I'm, a, I'm more of an an oriental type of guy so i don't have much muscle 
or strengths. Well, it's something I could work on, or, or not. I mean, it's not necessary, necessarily something I, I need. It doesn't serve a purpose, but if it makes me healthier, well, sure, why not? But anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Um, also, as a way to kind of pass it on, what works for me, and I don't know if this works for everyone, what I've learned is that it really pays off to do your research first. And I'm more of a visual guy. I like pe- other people explaining to me what there's, there's some videos. There's a big series of a certain, I think it's Dr. Berg or something. If you type in ketosis, you'll, you'll end up uh, discovering his videos. I have no idea what his credentials are. Um, but he's a, he's a calm guy. He does try to sell his nutritional supplements, which always kind of seems, seems to be the case with uh, these professional medical YouTubers. On the other hand, he's a very good teacher. And even though I don't really am into the, uh, kind of the commercial aspect of, uh, of his business, and, and he may be one of those doctors that is actually just kind of a self-taught guy, but he is a, so am I in many, many ways. But he's, he's got, I think, really good information, which I've also found, found in a lot of other sources. So that seems to be viable. Plus, he, he really breaks it down into, into easy to understand chunks. And, uh, and, and actually, he's really kind of made me want to try it out. And that in combination with lots of videos of recipes to, to do. Another thing that I... I first thought I would do and which I have done when I was a vegan I was trying to do lots of imitation stuff of foods that I enjoyed when I was not vegan so I would make like fake cheese or or stuff that resembled meat Um, and there are some recipes for ketogenic bread so bread without um, carbs and I may try that out but it's not that in the morning I'm craving bread and I'm not craving snacks. It's so weird. Never had that before in my life. And I can enjoy the food that I eat so much more. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Hey, before I wrap up, I want to ask uh, a favor of you. If you have some time and if you made it to the end of this recording. Um, I have a good friend of mine who has just been diagnosed with a pretty serious uh, uh, what is it, ailment. Uh, he's very, very worried about it. Um, so am I, of course. And uh, he didn't ask for it, but I want to ask you, if you have some time, to pray for him, pray for his loved ones, and uh, that God may help him recover. And uh, that even though the first diagnosis is not, it's not good, that still, you know, there, there can be uh, uh, full, full healing. And I pray for that <laughs> from the moment I heard it. But I know that if I have other friends that pray for, for him, for the situation, I'm convinced that that helps. So I don't want to share more details about it, but it's a, it's a good guy. And I really think he, uh, he needs your prayer and, and mine. So thank you so much in advance for, for doing that. And um, thanks to my patrons for their support. Hope you enjoyed this. I'm heading home. Man, this, I'm being pursued by mosquitoes. It's, ugh, this place is crawling. I'm walking next to the water. and It's probably where they hatch. 
So I, I may actually accelerate a little bit. Um, you're safe. At least, unless you're walking outside and it's full of mosquitoes where you live. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.